On today's episode of Senior Quotes, Jack and I talk about the Yankees trades that happened at the deadline, the NBA free agency madness going on, and a little bit of NFL training camp drama in New York. A lot of topics to get to in August, and we tackle all of them. Here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Senior Quote Sports Podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Big Picture Sports Group. I'm your host, Aiden Broderick, joined, as always, by Jack Coleman. And it's been a month, but we're back and we're ready to talk more sports. There's a lot that went down these past couple days, really, and I know Jack's ready to talk about it. So first of all, how are you doing today? It's a good day. We'll get to mm-hmm. it, but it's a good day, for real. Um, but that'll <laughs> come up, I'm sure, later on. Uh, otherwise, yeah, everything's good. Podcast has been good. Um, happy to get back to it on this one as well. Obviously, this one is going to be ramping up soon too, because once we're back at school, it's kind of just full force. That's kind of been the trend yep. uh, without us really noticing it. But summer, you know, it's kind of slowed down. And then usually once we hit the, uh, the school year, senior quotes comes back in a big way. So very excited. Exactly. I, I can't wait for that. We've got BC sports that are going to be really fun as well, but won't be any BC talk yet today. We'll save that. Coming up soon, maybe with Andrew Kynes and Richard Joyce of the WZBC sports team um, that will be co-directing this year. So look forward to that. But for now, all pro sports. We're going to start off with some NFL talk. Jack has a fun topic there. Then I'll bring up some Yankees and then we'll finish with NBA free agency. And that's what I know Cole cannot wait to get to. But we'll start with the Giants. So Jack, tell me about what happened today at training camp for them. Well, yesterday the Giants got oh, in right, a bit of a scuffle. <laughs> and you had Daniel Jones on the bottom of the pile. This is all after Kenny Galladay potentially is – we had no idea what would happen to him. Maybe he was going to be out for the year, maybe extended time. Uh, you know, we're already dealing with a Saquon Barkley injury with that offense. We don't need more. Um, but absolute scuffle breaks out. You got Daniel Jones on the bottom. I believe what happened – I don't know. I, I always forget the full extent because it was so many moving parts to it. But I think right. Evan Engram initially shoved, was it Logan Ryan? Yeah. And then, or, or Peppers. It was one of the two. And then Maybe, whoever yeah. the other one was, so either Logan Ryan or Peppers shoved Engram back. Right. And then I'm assuming at that point, Daniel Jones just dove head first in <laughs> and uh, the team went at it. And then following that, Joe Judge was livid and rightfully so, honestly. And made them endlessly run, made coaches run, made them do push-ups. It was, I saw on Twitter, a lot of people were uh, comparing it to Herb Brooks from the Miracle on the Ice team. Mm-hmm. When in the movie, he made them just keep going back and forth on the ice uh, with the again scene. And I feel like this was like the most torn that people have been about a Giants topic in so long, just because, I don't know, we haven't been that great as of late. Yeah. Uh, but this was something that got people talking. And some people were saying how awful it was and what a bad look it was. And, I mean, even within our own friend group, like, these were the same exact conversations. And other people, myself included, were saying how much they liked it a lot. Um, what were your takeaways from it? Yeah, so I was – I feel like I fall into the first group where it was like – Not necessarily a really bad look, but at the same time, just starting off with Kenny Galladay, hamstring injury, which today we found out isn't the worst case scenario, uh, according to Joe Judge. Thank God, by the way. (laughs) I know, because we were looking forward to seeing him more than anyone else, really, on this Giants offense. Of course, Saquon coming back healthy would be great as well, but we really want to see Kenny G. So that was already like a tough start to the day. And then hearing, you know, that there was a giant 
fight that, you know, resulted in Joe Judge, like you said, making them run laps again and again and again, making them do a ton of push-ups and causing two different veteran free agents now to retire. Maybe not directly because of it, but because they noticed we can't really keep up with this Joe Judge, you know, level of, I, I don't know whether it's just the, like the difficulty. Uh, yeah, the grit, the, the, all the running, but whatever the case, that's where it becomes a tough look, at least for the national media reporting on it and making it sound like, man, Joe Judge is really running these guys hard, making them, you know, can, you know, reconsider if they want to even be in the league right now. But at the same time, if you can't be running laps for however many minutes that he makes you do at the end of practice, maybe you shouldn't be in the NFL. And I think that's kind of what the center today was. It Joe Looney? I, I got to remember yeah. his full name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless, he, he kind of. Yeah, he said that he just can't play to the level that he wants to, which I thought was a fair statement, but a very a PR statement of like, I can't keep up with what coach is trying to make these guys do out there. But Well, that was yeah. also after he said that he didn't know that they did that and actually mm-hmm. liked it. Right that, right. that was a part of practice. So I guess day two hit and uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't feeling it as much, uh, especially when he got home that night and had to ice up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you saw the same thing with Kelvin Benjamin getting cut literally before camp even started. Yep. I know he had been coming back. Uh, he used to be a wide receiver, but now was trying to be a tight end. And, you know, he probably put on some weight both because mm-hmm. of not playing, but also because of the position change. And I think that's what he may have been potentially frustrated about was like, listen, I'm trying to do this new position. Like, this is all new to me. And Joe Judge wasn't having it. I I personally love it. I love that Joe yeah. Judge is cutting guys left and right. I think it's very Belichick-esque. I think that him coming from that system, all the praise he gets from Pat, long-tenured Pats guys like Gronk, Brady, I, I think he's a good coach. And I fully believe in him as of right now. I like the gritty practices. Um, I am of the belief that I, I actually enjoyed – uh, the aspect of the team getting in a little bit of a scuffle, as long as no one got hurt. That's the main thing. Like if no one's getting hurt, let the boys get at it. It's summer. You know, it, this doesn't matter. It's it's not like it's a mid season issue or anything. It's summer. People are going to be hot. Tempers are going to be flaring. Uh, let it hash out as long as no one gets injured. And rightfully so he met it with an equal punishment mm-hmm. and everyone was still okay in the locker room after that shows he has control of the team that shows that the team has uh, no ill will towards each other. I, I think it it's not that big a deal, uh, but also something that as a fan, as a football guy, I'm pretty amped up, up about. I think the biggest takeaway from the entire statement is what you got to at the very end. That's the locker room seems to respond positively to Joe Judge's grit and his hard love or tough love, whatever, as well as the fight itself. It sounded like Evan Ingram and Logan Ryan were all good after the fact. And it sounded like Daniel Jones almost enjoyed it when he was talking about being at the bottom of the pile uh, to the press afterward. But the biggest thing there is as long as Joe judge making these guys run laps and, you know, being tough on them to make sure that practice, like you play practice, like you want to play practice makes perfect. All those things Tom Coughlin used to say, and that's the last time the giants were a super bowl contending team. These recent head coaches we had seemed a lot softer, a lot more laid back, low key and wanted to just let the players, you know, do their thing. And that works more in the NBA, maybe with a coach like Steve Nash or some of these guys that sit back, let the stars do their thing. NFL football, that's just not going to work the same way that it can in basketball. It's not going to work. It's not going to work with youth either. And you brought up Steve Nash and like with the Knicks, like we have the complete opposite in Tom Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. Like it's a young group. They need structure. They need to be told what to do, what's right, what's wrong. 
And the Giants don't really have that in terms of star. I mean, they have star caliber players, but no one that's you know been in this league, that's been a an insane veteran for this league. You got to earn that. And Daniel Jones is a young quarterback still and needs to learn that, respect that. And uh, I, I think it, it makes for interesting football talk, at least. And it seemingly did so for everyone else online. I am upset that Hard Knocks isn't there this year. I think it yeah. would have been awesome to see some sort of footage of it. Uh, but instead, we're getting the NFC East rivals, the Cowboys, which I believe starts up either next, I think next week, might yeah, be the first, so. uh, first episode of Hard Knocks. So that's always fun. That means football is back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my final takeaway, other than the fact that the Giants would have been perfect for Hard Knocks this year, and maybe look for them as a favorite for next year if we qualify for that. Um, but yeah, if Joe Judge is appreciated by the locker room for this tough love and coaching them hard and making sure that they're getting better and better, because clearly he you know, at least the defense responded well to him last year and they played great against some tough teams, especially down the stretch. The offense needs to show that now too. And adding good players such as Kenny Galladay, if healthy, Kyle Rudolph, some rookies like Kadarius Tony, all into the mix. Maybe we will be able to respond on offense, but it sounds like Daniel Jones has been, you know, iffy, had some great days, a great stretch that someone brought up on Twitter. But then the day before, it sounded like he had a really tough day. And then Kenny G getting hurt. Now you aren't developing chemistry with him right now. We'll see what happens. I'm a little bit, you know, tentative to get out to the same predictions I might have been thinking, seeing this roster on paper, where I thought if the defense can be top 10 again and this offense plays as well as its weapons, then we should be pretty good. And I still think that could be the case, but training camps got me slowing down a little bit. Well, I mean, in the in training camp the other day when the fight broke out, the positive was that Daniel Jones had a perfect day. He went 11 mm-hmm. for 11. Uh, I think it was three touchdown passes as well as a rushing touchdown for him on the day. I mean, it's good stuff that's coming out of it as well. And like I've been saying ever since really the season ended last year, and especially since we got Galladay and Kyle Rudolph and Saquon back, this season is all on Daniel Jones to me. And that's a good thing if you're a Giants fan, because either we make the playoffs and Daniel Jones is rolling or we don't and he's gone. That's really it. It's a win-win either way. You either know where the future's going or you're maybe set for the long haul. So either way. Yeah. And if, if Daniel Jones doesn't do well this year, that probably means the Giants have a low or a bad record. And then combine that with hopefully the Bears starting out slow with uh, Andy Dalton and maybe not starting with Justin Fields. We have both those picks, our, our own and the Bears pick. So if we need a quarterback next year, we can maybe package those two picks together to move up and get somebody good. But I don't want to look at that yet. I want to think I mean, TJ's our it- guy. If the roster's as good as it looks on paper, I have no issue with going after Aaron Rodgers as well. Wow. I think that he would be an awesome fit too. So maybe that's a, that's an option. But for right now, I'm riding Daniel Jones. I'm all on the Danny Dimes hype train. Uh, we'll give him one last season. I'm ready for mm-hmm. it. I'm excited for it. I've been saying, yep. like, I am beyond ready for this football season. I'm locked in on football this year. Giants and BC are going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, 100%. But don't get ahead of football season fully just yet because – The Yankees keep trying to reel us back in as New York fans, trading four prospects to the Texas Rangers for Joely Rodriguez and, of course, Joey Gallo. And then out of nowhere, the next day, trading for Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. These two trades have, I know this is a very quick switch into baseball, but I've been just as excited to talk about this as you are to get to the topic we're waiting for later. And it's that the Yankees have finally brought in lefty bats into that short porch and right field where we can hit homers like we did last night, beating the Orioles like 13-1 or something crazy. Yeah. 
And that's the potential of this team, sweeping the Marlins, who I know are in last place in the NL East, but they're a decent team. They were in the playoffs last year. Yep, exactly. And we're winning the games that we have to win. We're coming off of some really disappointing series in June and July, falling really far behind, I think as far as nine games back in the AL East. Now we're only five games back, and we're only four games back of the first place spot in the wild card. So we're looking at maybe home field advantage there if we can get to that spot, at least for that first game. There's a lot you know, more hope right now as a Yankees fan than there was maybe two weeks ago. But what I've realized this season more than anything, before we even analyze these two players that we brought in, just in general, this has been a roller coaster of a season. I'm talking to our roller coaster guy right here. But there have been all these ups, these sweeps, these close sweeps, big wins against rivals. And then they dropped down to the game where we threw four wild pitches in extra innings against the Red Sox and lost that. We lost to the Astros where we gave up like five runs in the ninth inning. All these games that knock you down a step again and think, Why am I getting excited about this team? This has been an offense that can't score, even though they're meant to be one of the best in the league. This is a pitching staff that's been tremendous, but then blows games with the bullpen down the stretch, blah, 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 all these negatives. Well, I'm thinking today on August 4th that we do truly have a spot in the playoffs. And this is coming from someone that a week ago went on national radio with SiriusXM and said, we're not making the playoffs, (laughs) even after Joey Gallo's uh, trade. So I really don't know. It's a mixed bag, but Jack, what have you seen recently and what, what are you thinking from your side? Yeah. I mean, I obviously, I, I watch the games kind of like you guys, but you are more so uh, well-versed in, in Yankees talk. But to me, I was always, you know, kind of questioning why you guys were getting so down on a couple of games here and there, where even if we won out the series and, but we didn't sweep, like why those losses, um, we're so frustrating. And now I see it because mm. the thing that's sticking out to me is that recent losing streak by the Red Sox. We're slowly climbing up again with Rizzo Gallo. Like if we had just a couple more of those wins, it's yeah. easily ours, you know? So that's been frustrating. Um, I think that the main thing that I enjoy out of having a guy like Rizzo to me, who obviously Joey, Joey Gallo, a bit slower of a start uh, for him, but with Rizzo, you're getting a, captain-like player you're getting someone of the caliber like Derek Jeter for a franchise we had so many Cubs fans reach out to us and say you know you don't even understand what you're getting you know treat him well like I was taken aback I was like this might be the guy and obviously I've known Rizzo but not to the extent of that um for Cubs fans to just be so distraught over so really really happy with him I hope that they can actually like bat some runs in because that's been a problem for the Yanks all year I think um especially in terms of LeMahieu for me because I felt like last year uh, LeMahieu would kind of get things started and then you had Aaron Judge kind of cleaning up and that hasn't been the case this year LeMahieu hasn't been as hot with that Uh, Aaron Judge hasn't been batting all these runs in that he used to it's tough he's still playing well but I think that having these extra extra bats, especially lefties, uh, is really going to be a saving grace for this Yankee squad. Yeah, 100%. And that's been the biggest issue for this team. We're, I think, maybe still bottom five in the entire league in runs scored, which is just crazy to think about for a team that has so many sluggers, that can hit so many homers in Yankee Stadium and in other places as well. But you'd think all those things would cater to a top offense, and it's just not been the case. And to your point, that starts with the guy at the top of the lineup who continues to bat leadoff almost daily despite his struggles. And I think it all comes back to Aaron Boone and maybe Brian Cashman, the guys who are setting the lineups, who are just really sticking to what. Be leading off. Yeah, yeah I, well, but I that's the thing. He was that. so great there 
couple years ago, right? When he was in the yeah. MVP conversation. And it's like the analytics say he still should be there. And sure, he's still getting on base. He had a great streak of maybe 30 games where he got on base, but he's not hitting those impact doubles or sometimes even homers that he used to pull out of his bag of tricks. Instead, it's all singles. He's just barely getting on, if even hitting into a lot of double plays. That's been the team's problem as a whole, to your point as well, just blowing run scoring opportunities when they have someone on base. So I, I think one stat that really sticks out on the negative side for the Yankees is no Yankee that started this season with us this year. So that doesn't include Gallo or Rizzo. No Yankee from opening day is on pace to even have a hundred runs batted in, which is crazy to think about when you have all these former MVP guys, not no, no former winners other than I guess Stanton, but still all these guys that are always considered for the spot. None of them have been, you know, showing that kind of, or giving us that kind of production. It's that's the frustrating part. We could go on for that forever, but we are really excited to see, Joey Gallo continue to, you know, get situated. It takes a while to be traded to a new place. He's only played for the Rangers his entire career. And now finally making that move that had been rumored for weeks on end. And apparently Cashman had asked about him last offseason as well. It finally happened. Let him get situated. Once he starts hitting the ball, there'll be so many homers out into right field. And then Rizzo, to your point, just came in. And we had heard from our friend Colin, like you said, and other Chicago fans that loved him, told us to take care of him. And so far, he's the one taking care of us because he hit multiple homers in that Marlins series that got us the sweep, usually winning games by one run. That difference would be made by him, whether it was a double, his first game homer, his second game homer. He won player of the week, and he only played four games for us in that span. So really impressed by him. Hopefully he keeps it up. Very excited for these two guys because they give us some new life. Andrew Heaney, the pitcher we traded for, gave up four homers in his debut. It's the first time a Yankee has ever done that. Uh, But we'll let him get his time as well. But very excited for the new players. Yeah, no, I I definitely think it's hard for a pitcher to come in midseason and have to pitch in Yankee Stadium as opposed to a batter. Uh, But looking at the batters, I I need Stanton to show up. Yeah, And to me, he really hasn't earned his stripes yet. Uh, I I think that if things don't go well this season, I kind of want him out of here uh, after this. Yeah, maybe he's just I don't not a Yankee. You know, no, I I feel the same exact way. But the biggest issue is he's I think his contract lasts until like twenty twenty seven or twenty eight. Oh it's, yeah, no, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> it's basically untradeable. Like we would have yeah. to probably trade him and take on the majority of that salary, and it would just become. Not like a Bobby Benilla, 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 whatever situation, but more like uh, what we're having happen right now with guys like Gallo and Odor and Rizzo is teams are paying their salary for this year. However, we would be probably paying the salary of a guy who makes way more than any of those players combined for six more years. So it would be a really devastating move to have happen one way or the other. If you're cashman, you got to decide is he a positive asset? Is he giving us enough on the field? Maybe not to justify that money, because of course not. But does it make sense to trade him to give his playing time to someone else and still pay him? It's so crazy to think about. I don't even know the answer. And it should be obvious, keep him. But it's not. And that's how he's played right now is just, he's been disappointing. My dad is a huge Giancarlo Stanton hater. And I can't blame him right now for it. Whenever he sees him at the plate, he's like, that's a guaranteed strikeout. And then a lot of the time he's right. So that's been tough, but you know, all in all optimistic about the Yankees while still staying realistic about their flaws and they do definitely have them. So that's Yankee talk for now. We have about 20 more minutes or so, maybe, maybe 
close to 30. We're, we're working on a time constraint today, but we wanted to make sure there was ample time to talk about what has happened in the past 48 hours of NBA free agency. We'll, we'll start on day one. We'll keep building to what we've been hyping up in terms of what Jack wants to talk about, but we'll start with, I guess, the obvious things that were going to happen. So Chris Paul, going back to the Suns, he's going to be making $30 million in his age 40 season. That is Look, there, I, I get why the Suns had to do it, and I get what they'll get out of him for the first season, maybe two seasons, but it's a bad deal for those last two seasons. I can't believe that he'll make $60 million after turning 39. So what, what did you think of that? Are, are you glad the Knicks didn't do that? What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, actually, <clears throat> I had heard that the price was so high because a certain team, most likely New York, had been pumping up that price and okay. was willing to take it, but then that was way too much. So I would not take that deal. I don't want Chris Paul to be that old getting paid that much. Right. Uh, obviously, he was a huge help for the Suns. Obviously, he, he's what pushed them a great chunk of the year to the finals. And obviously, if you're the Suns, you want to do everything you can to keep him after such a close finals run. And, you know, he clearly fit in with the team. But I do really believe that the Knicks were kind of pumping up that premium for him. And I'm, I'm really glad that we didn't have to pay it out. If the right deal came along, obviously, I would take Chris Paul. Obviously, I would take Chris Paul on a three or four year deal. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, that's what the Suns had to pay out. Yeah. So do you think maybe in an ideal Knicks world, you could have gotten him for two years, 60 million? Would you take that? So you'd pay him till he's 38. Yeah, I mean, I would have I would have given him and been perfectly fine at three years and maybe, I don't even know, like 80 or 90 mil, 80, 90, probably 90, yeah. Yeah. 95 mil um, and would have been perfectly fine with that. OK, I think two years, like realistically, that also works. Uh, but what a lot of the um, re-signings and signings we've done in terms of the Knicks have been like a two year and then a team, either a team or player option. Right. Uh, I think a couple of them are mixed and matched, uh, which I also wouldn't mind it either. So I'm gl- again, I'm glad that I'm not the one having to shell out that price for him. Um, Cause clearly, clearly we had other uh, plans in store. Yeah. So let's get to the day one plans of the Knicks, which um, Evan Fournier brought in for four years, 80 mil. And then a lot of re-signings, bringing back key pieces from this fourth seed team from last year. That's Taj Gibson on the minimum, Nerlens Noel for about 30 mil over three years. Derek Rose got, I think, 43 over three. And then Alec Burks, 30 over three. All really good contributors. And it felt like a lot of money at the time. But like you said, it seems like the Knicks are giving tradable team-friendly contracts that they can decide who to bring back in year three and potentially make moves at the 2024 class of free agents. So what were your initial reactions when you saw maybe those figures giving out to those players? And now how is that feeling for you? Yeah, I mean, Derek Rose was someone that I always wanted to keep on this team. He was fantastic last year. People forget he was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Yeah, If he was always going to be that second unit bench guy, I would have given him whatever it ta- whatever it took because we had the money. And he was like first one on my list from last year that I definitely wanted to keep around. I also think that with Tom Thibodeau in charge, you know, he wants to take care of his old Bulls guys. And that's just what it is right there with Derrick Rose. Uh, New Orleans Noel, this contract I did not like as much. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't really a fan of it. I don't think that he really has hands. I don't think that he can rebound all that well. Uh, but I do think he is the most tradable player out of all of them. 
and he played pretty well for us last year. Remember, we didn't have Mitch Robb. Right. Uh, Mitch Robb wasn't the reason that we were able to get to the fourth seed in the playoffs uh, in terms of big men. So that was led by Nerlens Noel. So I really like that. I think that a lot of teams do end up needing a big man replacement or a big man, a bench big man towards the playoffs after the all-star break. Uh, so that to me is the most likely to be tradable. Uh, so th- again, don't really mind that as much either, except, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it was the plan to kind of keep him around, uh, you know, wasn't really looking forward to that. Um, then we have Evan Fournier, which I, I love. I genuinely think that he fits this team so well. You know, he basically had to be the number one, number two scoring option for the Magic when he was there. Uh, and then with the Celtics, I mean, we'll get to the Celtics again later, but I just think that that whole season last year was just a toss-up. I don't really think yeah. they knew what they were doing. And we kind of saw that with the immediate offseason moves uh, with Danny Ainge getting replaced and everything. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to think about the Celtics players that we got and more on the other one later, but Fournier fits this team. Well, I watched a lot of his tape. I think that him as a third scoring option or tied for a second scoring option with RJ, it's going to be a huge help to his game. He's going to create his own shots, but also be open because someone's going to have to guard RJ. Someone's going to have to guard Randall. Um, and I think that passing wise, this was before we even got another point guard. Uh, it's going to open up RJ's game a lot. And now you're seeing a team come together that Randall had struggled with being the main scorer, the number one scorer. And it seemed like every other time down, we had to get it to him. There are options now. And that's the main thing is that we have scoring options and that's what we needed. Yeah. hundred percent. And you kept Alec Burks. Who's got another scoring option there too. Love that so, too. I, yeah. I wanted to keep Burks as well. I was a big fan of him last year. I think he also, people always talk about Randall choking in the playoffs. I also thought Burks kind of choked in the playoffs mm. as well. Uh, but overall, I think he's a great, great bench piece to have for that second unit. It's not even a bench with New York. It's, it's really just two different units. Right. Yeah. And that's probably the best way to build a team in this day and age, keeping, especially in Thibodeau's system, keeping everybody fresh because We've seen RJ and Randall yeah. and obviously D Rose in the Chicago days play a ton of minutes. So you got to stay healthy, have good backups for when they're sitting out. Um, yeah. So those are some big uh, moves at the Knicks. Uh, I'm trying to think, okay, we had Lonzo ball to the bulls. And then a day later, DeMar DeRozan in a sign trade to the bulls. Uh, Dan's very happy about that excited as he should be, because now you see a team going in, you know, to potentially contend as opposed to just kind of, sitting in that like wizards level middle spot where you have a great player in Levine, you trade for a second in Vucevic, but you're still just the 10. I, I think they were the 11. Obviously they made the, uh, excuse me, made the Vucevic move a little late into the season too late to really make that playoff push. But long story short, they got a lot better. And I, I think they're going to be right there near the Knicks in that five, six, seven battle um, potentially with the Celtics, potentially with, I mean, I don't really know at this point, but I do think the Bulls have leveled themselves up a bit. So the the, the Lonzo move, I know you were interested in Lonzo Ball for the Knicks. Um, what did you think about him getting about 20 mil a year, a sign and trade, so you would have maybe given up an asset or two to get him? Are you happier with uh, – I don't want to – let's stop hinting at Are you happier with the Kemba Walker signing that we've been hyping up so much? Are you happier with that on the cheaper side versus committing 20 mil to Lonzo, or was that still your favorite option other than Chris Paul? Well, in regard to the Bulls, and I know that we had talked about this earlier today, but I think that all the guys that they got, the stars that they have, yes, it's a good team. I do think that they're paying out way too much for this team because you need to ensure that you are bringing back Zach Levine. 
And while that might not be right now, that's in the future. And he is a star. He is the superstar of that Bulls team. He's a superstar in the Eastern Conference. You need to keep him. He's a guy that you don't want to let go. So by bringing on some of these contracts, by bringing in some of these high-priced players at a premium, I don't know if it's enough of a team around him for, to, one, compete with the Nets, Bucks, or let's honestly say Hawks at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if it's enough to compete with them. And at that point, is it enough of a team for Zach Levine to, A, want to be around, or B, uh, it, enough to be around that he would take a cut in price uh, because he's going to want just the max for that team. So I don't know in terms of money if it'll all work out, uh, but in terms of, of the Eastern Conference uh, playoff picture, I can't see this being a team that's an immediate finals lock at all. Yeah, yeah. so before you get to your Knicks takes on these same players, about the Bulls, I, I agree with you to an extent where it's like you need to know that Levine is going to commit. And right now we're not at a stage where he can do that or is willing to at least just yet – but they did bring in a ton of players that I think complement him very well, at least in elevating him to that number one player where if you can be the top player on a playoff team and get the max, which they should be able to at this point have his bird rights and give him that it'll be into the luxury tax. And it has to do with now does the ownership um, of the team want to pay that much, pay that extra salary. Exactly. They should, especially if this team does prove to win, but back to that, they put in two incredible defenders in Lonzo and DeRozan next to a guard who is an elite scorer, but known to be a not so great defender in Levine. So I like that combo because now you're playing to one's weaknesses and giving him a strength there to compliment him. DeRozan, very underrated as a scorer. Yes, he can't shoot from three, but he's elite in the mid range. Great slasher. Did really well for the Spurs on a team that, yeah, they weren't really competing after trading Kawhi away. But he still showed, and I think got one all-star appearance in the West. Might be wrong there. We can fact check after. But he's still great. He's still right there. And then Pat Will, Patrick Williams, I think, should be their stretch four or the sixth man behind DeRozan and just be locking down players. I think he could be the X factor, as in not the best player on the team, but the X factor to making them work or not. If he stays and lives up to that hype, lives up to his potential and plays well, then this team will be clicking with Vucevic, another guy that's not as great defensively, but a great scorer in, down low. I, I don't know. I, I like the team. I, I think I like, they should I like be it in there. Too. It, it's just like, I just don't know how well they actually will do at the premiums that they're paying mm. in the Eastern Conference right now, which is wild to say because the Eastern Conference has always been dogged as the lesser of the two. It's stronger But now. like I said, the, net, the Nets are a finals lock, honestly, to me at this point, if they're all healthy. The Bucks just came off of a ring. Uh, the Sixers, who knows, but it's still Joel Embiid, uh, who was basically MVP, if not for Jokic. Um, the Hawks, what a run they had. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's so many good teams. We don't know even how the Heat, who are now uh, a good. great team as well with the Kyle Lowry edition, or uh, the, the young Magic squad, the Hornets, who got some new pieces. Yeah. I, I think that the East is just... Uh, equally terrifying as a fan of a team in the East, uh, but also very, very uh, interesting, especially if you're the Bulls, because I don't know exactly where they're going to fall. I was giggling before because <laughs> I was thinking of Patrick Williams, and I only associate him as flower boy from uh, the, the NBA draft when he went on that right. long <laughs> run about how he delivers flowers. Right. And I actually yeah. had a, a similar moment during the Knicks uh, with this draft 
before I knew we had traded a pick, I forget who it was, but it was some guy that just talked about fishing the entire time. Oh, and I was like, all right, this dude's kind of cool. And then he's just like, yeah, man, all I do is fish. I was like, oh God, no, we got ourselves <laughs> our own flower boy, basically. Uh, uh, but real quick on, on the draft, because we didn't yeah. really get a chance to talk about that. Uh, yeah. The Knicks picks Hunter Grimes, love him. He's worked with James Harden in the past, played at Houston watching his tape, he does kind of remind me of a better defense, worse scoring Harden to me, uh, mm. but really, really solid. I think he's going to provide instant minutes off the bench and he's going to slide into that two spot and maybe share some time with quickly, maybe give D Rose more of a break. You can run quickly and Grimes at the same time, uh, which is also pretty cool. We got Deuce McBride. I mean, what else do you need Crazy to know? Name. Deuce, yeah. I'm in. I'm so in. Deuce from Deuce from Mike Breen is going to be electric every single time. Uh, and then Jericho Sims, who to me could kind of gives me that Mitch Robb vibe. Very athletic, very gifted at jumping. Uh, I think that he could be a nice either bench presence or if Mitch Robb gets injured again, goes down, uh, you could see him get some minutes too. So very excited about that. Yeah. And then as for the Nets, we kept, in fact, gained an extra pick on draft day. We came in. You with moved four. up to the first round. Um, we already had one first rounder and then yes, we got okay, a yeah. second first rounder and we kept all three of our seconds, which was wild. And we haven't confirmed any of those second rounders as being part of the team. We might send them to the G league or put them on a two-way contract at least, but our two first rounders, Cam Thomas, um, I believe LSU, he led the sec in scoring last year. He might've led the NCAA in scoring last year. He was one of those guys that just dropped a little bit. And I don't know how, and I'm cool with it because it sounds like we now have a bench scorer, you know, to replace Dinwiddie's missing role now or replace Landry Shamit, who we had traded away for that second pick, getting Javon Carter from the Suns, um, a great defensive press Virginia guy. I love that pickup. But I don't know. I, I'm hearing rumors now that we might have just made this trade to cut him and get the pick. But what, whatever happens, I really do like Javon Carter. Hope he stays. If he doesn't, oh, well, we you know just got Patty Mills, who will be playing that backup point guard minute. So maybe there was no role for Carter. But yeah, with that pick, we got Dayron Sharp, a Tar Heel. So obviously, you know, I'm a fan of him already. But he's that center, you know, to get rebounds and be a bruiser down low. We needed that. You know, we always need those young centers and he'll be playing behind Claxton, learning from him. I heard Claxton might be involved in this Dinwiddie sign-and-trade. And depending on what we get back, I'll be okay with that, but I'm not ready to accept that just yet. But, uh, yeah, um, basically quickly on the Nets um, offseason because I really don't have too much to say about it because it's just been so quiet. It all hinges on the details of this Dinwiddie sign-and-trade. So he's going to the Wizards. I heard today it's three years, $63 million. Great deal for him. Excited for him to team up with Bradley Beal. If of I mean, course Beal says that, knows. yeah, he tweeted out that emoji, that, the eye emoji. Yeah. Yeah. Unless that yeah, was about then, Dinwiddie or him, maybe uh, heading out. Who knows? I think the eyes were about Dinwiddie, but then I think today he did the thinking face, which I was thinking like, oh, it's because the Dinwiddie sign trade's taken so long. He's like, what, what gives, you know? But then his wife tweeted something else, and I think they're either gone, just they're either trolling or yeah, or she or she's really saying that he might be gone. So. We'll see what happens. Apparently, this was like some uh, one of my guys in the Nets group chat. I don't know how they have these inside sources, whatever. But apparently, KCP, who's coming to um, Washington in the Russ trade, uh, is really good friends. Or his wife's really good friends with the Beals wife. You know, so they're like family friends, whatever. And because of that, 
people were saying that KCP will not be involved in the Dinwiddie sign trade because he wants to play with Beal and vice versa. But I don't know if that's enough to keep Beal in Washington. I still think if they build correctly, Beal and Washington can do well. And Dinwiddie, plus maybe a better forward. And if Daniel Gafford, who I'm really high on, can continue to play well at center, there's something to be done there. But like we just said, the East is stacked. Could that team, even at their best, make the playoffs? I don't think they do better than the playing game, which is what they got to this year with Russ. So I don't know. You know, I think you're right. Beal should go. I don't know where. But I also think he should at least give Dinwiddie a chance because one of the main reasons he wanted to go there is to play with Beal. And I think he said Rui Hachimura as well. He was excited to see how Rui develops. And I like that too, but we'll see. I I don't know if the Knicks are going to be involved in this big trade tomorrow or not. But the only thing I will say, and this brings up another free agent piece, is we were fighting with the Lakers over getting Melo. And to be mm-hmm. honest, I love the fact that Melo's on the Lakers. I, I'll i get to the Lakers in a second, but we're still looking for that forward. I mean, it's Julius Randle and Obi Toppin. There's, that's clearly after, and I guess we can get to it now, after Kemba Walker yeah. is going to be signing with us. Huge. Um, but that's still a position on the floor that we're going to need. So I wouldn't, I don't feel like we're done yet. I feel like that's the last piece before this offseason is kind of officially done for us. The way that a lot of the deals worked out, and especially uh, with Kemba Walker, how he's only going to be getting paid eight mil a season, which is crazy yeah. to me when he was an all-star two years ago. But last year he was rehabbing off his knee. Two years ago, the man was an all-star. Uh, getting paid eight mil, it's a steal and a half. And it allows us some room to maybe get that extra forward. And I think we might end up having to cut Luca Val- Vildoza because of it. Uh, right. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks are on the hunt for another forward. Uh, but in regards to Kemba Walker, I love it. I love every bit of it. To me, I don't care if, you know, Boston fans, I've already seen Boston fans on Twitter talking about how bad Kemba had been last year. And realistically, his numbers weren't really that bad. And one of the best two man units in the Eastern Conference had been Fournier and Kemba Walker when they were taking the majority of the load. So when other Celtics Mm. players had been out, the two of them were playing phenomenally together. So that chemistry is already there. You're plugging them into a system that needed a distributor that needs scoring. It's like I said before, with just Fournier, adding Kemba Walker is going to open up so many shots uh, for Julius Randle, but more so for RJ Barrett. I think we're going to see the leap from RJ this year that we've been all kind of waiting on. Um, in terms of Mitch Rob, I'm, I'm leaning a, a little bit towards kind of getting over him. Uh, who knows if we can work out a trade for Miles Turner at some point. That's been talked about. Mm. Don't really care. I still like Mitch Rob. He's still athletic, but I, I'm kind of on the, the outs with him. Like, if we can get a good deal and, and a better reliable center for him, you, maybe Obi Knox picks, whatever, I'm, I'm down to do it because he needs to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, he's a huge help. Um, on the positive side, I think Kemba Walker – and him on the pick and roll is going to be a thing of wonder. It's going to be beautiful. Um, in regards to kind of my thought process going into this morning, you know, I basically assumed it was going to end up being Reggie Jackson or um, Schroeder. And I basically had kind of locked in Schroeder in my head. It seemed like a real Knicks move. And I wasn't really like happy with it, but I was like, yeah. you know what? It's a point guard. Um 
it's it's something. It's it's not Alfred Payton is what it yeah, is, who thankfully exactly. is officially gone from this team. Same with Frank Nilakina. They both need to get out of here. And Knox is next. He needs to go too. <laughs> um, do appreciate that he's playing summer league. But Kemba Walker is is so huge. And for me as a Knicks fan, the I, I've said this all day. The only two point guards that I've ever been excited about, and only one of them started the season, was Derrick Rose the first time around, which – Hey, I love him as a six man, not the starting point guard we needed at that moment in time. And Jeremy Lin mid season, everyone else has been, you got Raymond Felton, you got Pablo Prigioni, really just no name after no name. And finally we have that all-star, the kid comes home to the garden. It's going to be electric. I think that the Knicks cemented themselves as in the hunt this year. And that wasn't necessarily a guarantee uh, before the deals went down between Fournier right. and bringing back everyone. Uh, but we're committing to the youth. You know, we want RJ or yeah, I guess RJ, RJ, but more specifically Obi and quickly to grow and develop. We're bringing in New York guys and that's what had been lacking. That's what everyone has got down on, on us about over the years is not having a culture. Well, we are New York made New York built and we are here in New York. So I love it. Super happy about it. Uh, it's finally something to, to get excited about. And now we're seeing photoshops that are actually true. So love that. <laughs> that's that's a great point. I'm excited for you guys. I'm happy that Kem is back in MSG. I mean, that shot with UConn in the Big East tournament. Everybody knows. Everybody loves it. Cardiac Kemba. Um, so I'm excited for what that. Do you think, and, what do you think the over-under of how many times I've watched that today is? <laughs> oh, bro. Uh, like 15, maybe. Um it might be like high. that's a great line because it's okay. probably at 15. <laughs> I thought maybe it's a quick clip, you know, you can yeah. watch it again and again. Um, well, so many people were tweeting it today that yeah, instantly no. was at least six. So, like, oh, yeah, I was going through my timeline and I saw at least four of them, and I, yeah. I was just like, wow, all right, I gotta watch this. Now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so I'm excited for that because, like you said, even if he's injured, like, I'm I have my expectations for him as a player a little low, and obviously, I'm you know, an outside take, I'm not a Knicks fan here. And I'm not a Celtics fan either, so I don't have maybe negative bias from that side either. But I, I don't. He's not going to be what he was All Star wise two years ago. But he doesn't need to be that. He needs to be better than Alfred Payton, who was one of the worst point guards in the league, starters, whatever. And so he's now going to look. I hope that Tibbs doesn't run his minutes like crazy. I want him to play like 24 to 30 per game maximum. Just get him back into the flow of things and let him work. If they do that and let D Rose in this. You have so much uh, depth at the guard spots, so don't rely on him too much. Let IQ take some minutes. Let D. Rose, of course, take minutes. Let whoever fill in at these two guards. It doesn't necessarily have to be point guards. You can run, you know, Burks in there. It doesn't matter. Just make sure that you're not overusing Kemba and not forcing him into another injury. Because if and, you keep and him same healthy, with D. He's Rose. Ball. Yeah, the, yeah. Same with D. Rose. Uh, the pair of them can't get can't be getting injured, and I, you may as well throw in Mitch Rob as well. And you bring up depth, and I think that we have one of the deepest benches um, around. It's got a nice mix of youth. It's got current talent, uh, veteran talent. Really, the position, and this is why I'm saying I don't think the Knicks are done yet, is power forward. Because center even, we got Noel, Mitch Robb, Jericho Sims. Like I said, he could play the stretch five. Um, And Taj Gibson, old man Gibson's back. So, I mean, it's really that power forward spot where Randall's going to be getting a majority of minutes anyway. Uh, that needs maybe one more guy. And then I, I'm more than content with the offseason if that happens. 
Oh, yeah. I think you guys have done a great job. I think both New York teams have had very good, we'll say, low-key off-seasons. Obviously, you guys have brought in more names than we have, but us just bringing back everybody except for Jeff Green, and that stung. But bringing back everybody else that we could, Blake and Bruce Brown, getting that uh, mid-level exception that would have gone to Jeff Green and given it to Patty Mills, and then now... I, I love the back. Patty Mills. Uh, I love the Patty Mills. Um, yeah, that's really fit. exciting for you guys, too. Yeah, so and then of course we'll get whatever we get back for Dinwiddie. So I'm happy with what both of our teams have done. I'm not ready to, of course, say that I think we're the East favorite, but it's no guarantee after what we saw happen this year. If they stay healthy, if you're healthy, it's a lot to me, (laughs) but you never know. So, right. Um, And to kind of close out, and that kind of brings me to the point of the Lakers. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be rooting for the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I love this Lakers team. I've always been a LeBron guy, like hand up. I don't like LeBron fans. I don't like Laker fans. I'm a LeBron guy. And Mm -hmm. you mix AD, you got my guy Melo on there. I'm going to be rooting for him to get a ring. Um, You you got Westbrook, who I've always liked a lot too. It's just a team of, if you're a fan of NBA and not either a Nets or a Bucks fan, you like this team if you're our age, because it is literally all the players of old and they are old yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. that we grew up on just all together on one all-star team, basically. Uh, so I'm excited to watch the Lakers play this year. They'll be fun to just see what happens. I'm most both worried as a Nets fan and upset as an NBA fan that they got Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, despite them both being 25 and under they're now ring chasing after getting off the rookie contracts. To me, this is problematic for the NBA. I wish we had more time to talk about it, but this is something that, Look, I'd be fine with it happening to my team, and it really hasn't. The only team that it is happening to is the L.A. combo of having a big, big market and LeBron James. You know, people want to play not just for a contender in general, but for the, I don't want to call him the GOAT, but the best player of our generation. So with all those things said, it's weird to see Malik Monk, who's 23, turning down a ton of money to take the minimum and go to L.A. and ring chase. So I, I know you saw the tweet. Um, I screenshotted these Lakers fans basically defending him, you know, signing to compete for a title because that's what you got to do as a player. And then obviously I made the link and other people made the link to those same fans criticizing KD. Two different situations, sure. KD could have led the Thunder to a ring. Malik Monk's not leading the Hornets to a ring. You know, it's different levels, but still kind of wild that these same fans are now justifying this move. I'm not a fan oh, of it, but I, I think they can get away with it because yeah. of the Bucks winning this year, mm. because Giannis being the superstar that he is remaining in Milwaukee, grinding it out and winning a title. Uh, it it kind of shot down any super team type talk uh, mm. this off season. But I, again, we're back in the era of super teams after a, a short, uh, <laughs> short run of a very, very Thanos balanced league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, this East is what it costs. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But then again, the Lakers and Nets on paper were the super teams last year. Neither of them made it to the finals. And there was a lot of parity in the playoffs themselves. So I think that happens again. I think a lot of people are complaining, seeing these Lakers signings, all these big names and saying, oh, I'm not watching the NBA next year. Watch it. Because honestly, there are so many cool combos that are going to happen once again. And teams like the Knicks, teams like... They surprised all of us by making it to the four seed. That was because there was so much parity in the East. Sure, there was a top three teams that were kind of established, but that doesn't even have to be a thing this year with the Sixers kind of blowing up the core that they once had. So a lot of questions that are only going to be filled by, you know, watching this season. So I would say 
I, the NBA might not be the best product. I think Olympic basketball has been a lot cooler to watch with the foul calls being so much better. <laughs> but if the product's not great, there's still a lot of intrigue, and I'm excited to be intrigued. <laughs> so that's about all the time we have. Um, great catching up with you, Jack, and we will obviously get back into more of a flow as we get back to school. Um, I will be – yeah, I'd, I'd be down to do this again next Wednesday, so maybe that becomes the yeah, day. Yeah, we got we to do a, uh, a fantasy football preview, basically. Yes, we do. We got leagues – a lot of leagues coming up. Yeah, that so was we all maybe do a mock draft uh, live. Ooh, I'm I'm all in. Let's let's find some quotes about fantasy, maybe some like like yeah. some all time quotes of people saying like, "Don't pick me in your fantasy league," or like, "I don't care about your <laughs> fantasy league." Try to guess who said those. That could be fun. Yeah, I like that. So look forward to that. Look forward to more NBA talk. Find out what happens to the Nets here. More baseball talk. More football. Oh, this is an exciting sports time. August is a low key good sports month. So we'll keep coming to you guys with more content as we go. So any last words, Jack? Or- are we good to send him off? No, roll Knicks. <laughs> exactly. And net up. I don't like that. Nets world, baby. Uh, it'll keep revolving. All right. We'll see you guys next week.